Well, good morning. It's always such a, just a nice gift to be together. Again, I said like last week, every week I'm just like excited and ready to get here together. It's just uh, such a beautiful gift to be together. And sometimes we recognize in life that some things are so significant and they are so important that we need some kind of ceremony or some kind of something to mark the reality of all that has changed. For example, we do this in a wedding. A wedding is this ceremony, this space where we come together to recognize that two people's individual lives are becoming one. That they're uniting themselves together to live life together uh, all the way through. And a funeral also is a moment to mark that something significant has taken place. In a funeral, we recognize that someone that we deeply love and cherish is gone. And we need this space to transition and to process and to continue to work this out, to recognize that something so significant has shifted. We do this in graduations. We do this in all kinds of other different kinds of events and different kinds of spaces. You think about things like birthdays or anniversaries. These things ongoingly go on so that we can always remember that something transformational and significant has really taken place. For example, on your birthday every year, people rally around you to delight in you and celebrate the wonder of who God has made you to be and the gift that you are to them. And today we want to talk about uh, maybe the most important ceremony that we have to recognize that something of significance and powerful transformation has taken place. We're in this series called Deeper Life, looking at how we engage not just in knowing about our faith, but really living it out. I can't wait for us to dive in, so let's pray as we uh, begin this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the infinite nature of your love. Lord, we thank you that you see us and know us in all kinds of circumstances and in every moment that we experience. And you invite us to walk further with you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take these moments and fill them with the wonder of your presence. Would you make the truth of Jesus clear to our hearts and minds and souls? Would you fill us with the wonder of who you are? Would you protect these moments from fear or from offense or from any harshness or criticalness? Would you grant us the capacity to just delight in you and to stand in the wonder of who you've made us to be? Thank you for the gift of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So imagine with me, if you will, you're walking past a lake or maybe a river, and you see a group of people gathered there, so you kind of stop to just kind of listen and, and hear what's going on. And one by one, a number of people kind of get up, and they start to tell a little bit about their life and their story, and then they walk down into the water, and somebody grabs them and throws them under the water and pulls them back up, and everybody cheers. There's no swimming, there's no competition. All of a sudden, somebody chucks them under the water, and everybody celebrates, and you have no idea what's going on. Again, baptism could be that kind of experience if you didn't understand the significance behind it. If you just watched a baptism without knowing what this was about, it would seem very strange. And so this morning we want to talk about this idea of baptism, this really good gift that we have to mark the most important transformational change that could ever take place within our lives. In baptism, we have this moment to celebrate that someone has moved from death into life. That someone has moved from an experience apart and separated from God into the wonder of a life-giving relationship with the Father through Christ. And so what is baptism? Again, baptism is just this action that remarks this change, that cer this ceremony that tells the world, seen and unseen, that we belong to Jesus, that we are choosing to commit all of our life to him and walking in relationship with him. And baptism is full of meaning. It's full of significance. It's this beautiful, life-giving picture of this transformational reality of what God is doing in the heart and life and soul of someone who's being baptized. So this morning I want us to talk about a few of these things, what baptism means, why is it significant and important. And if you're here this morning and you are online with us and you've already been baptized, what I want you to do through the message this morning is just think about the significance of what you have done. 
and maybe ask the question, am I still continuing to live out all that I committed to when I got baptized? So first of all, baptism represents a washing. It represents the sense of being cleansed, that we have given our life to Jesus and that he has made us clean, he has made us whole. We find this in passages like Titus chapter 3, which says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and, the re and renewal by the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we recognize that there is sin, there's darkness, there's evil in the world, and all of us know this. It doesn't take about more than five minutes of watching the news to recognize that this world is broken, that there are all kinds of evil and damaging and destructive things that take place that never should take place within our lives and within this world. But we also recognize this within our own souls. You know those moments where you've done something wrong or hurt someone that you love unintentionally or in whatever way, and there's just this deep kind of pain. There's something within us that just feels tainted, something that feels sort of stained. And no matter how many good things we try and do or how much we try and apologize, there's something about the pain of that that just sits there. We recognize that we can't just deal with this on our own. And as Christians, we would define that as sin as this brokenness, this evil, this darkness that's in the world and within our own hearts. And in baptism, we get this beautiful gift to express the truth that we don't have to live caught in this space. We don't have to live forever overcome by guilt or shame or fear because of the darkness that is present within us or within our world. Because God in the infinite nature of his love and the wonder of his goodness moved into the midst of our lives and suffered and died so that justice could be done and we could be washed clean. We could be transformed and made new. And when you look at essentially every religious system in the world, it becomes down to what do I do? What do I practice? What are the things that I'm supposed to accomplish? But in the Christian faith, we have something so remarkably different. We have this experience of life with God not based on our performance or the things that we can accomplish. We have life with God based on what Jesus has already done. As this passage reminds us, it's not because of the good things that we have done or the good things that we will do. It is because of the grace and the mercy of God. It's because of the wonder of his character that he would do all of this for us. And he invites us to be washed clean and to be made whole. And I was trying to find a way to explain a bit of what this is like, and this is a little bit hokey, but just kind of work with me on this. So when I am cleaning a bathtub, the worst thing about cleaning the bathtub is just that stuff at the bottom. You know when you're scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, you just can't quite get like the, the grit marks off the bottom of the bathtub? Maybe it only happens in my house, but it's there. And then for a long time, trying to find something that would help me get rid of the stuff on the bottom of the bathtub, and nothing really worked. And then I found Vim. I tell you, a couple squirts of the Vim on there, leave it for a couple of minutes, smoosh it around, and all of a sudden it just wipes beautifully clean. And this is a picture of the wonder of what God does in us. All of our own efforts and all of our attempts and all the ways that we would try and accomplish righteousness or purity in our own souls can never get us all of the way there. But Jesus and the wonder of his sacrifice just washes over us, just cleanses us and makes us new. And he offers all of this to us as a gift of his grace, not because of the amazing things that we can do. And in baptism, we picture this reality as we go into the water that we are washed clean and renewed and made whole. And also in baptism, we commit ourselves to ongoingly walking out this journey so that our actual lives day in and day out would reflect the truth of who Jesus already declares that we are. 
that we could submit ourselves to him ever increasingly, that he would purify us and strengthen us and empower us to walk in ways that are pure and holy and life-giving and increasingly free from the darkness and the evil and the sin that takes place in our world. This is the wonder of what we get to do in baptism, this beautiful reflection that we are washed and cleansed because of what Jesus has done. And also in baptism, it represents to us our connection with Jesus. It's an outward sign that we have committed ourselves to Christ and that we are now one in relationship with him. We see this in passages like Romans chapter 6 that was read to us earlier. We were therefore buried with him, with Christ, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Again, it's the wonder of this reality of our faith. It's not about rules or accomplishing things or getting things done. Our faith is all about a relationship, a wonderful transformational relationship with the God of the universe. Do you know that your creator longs for life with you? The creator of all things is passionate for you. And in baptism, we express this beautiful reality as someone goes down underneath the water that they're dying to an old life that's lived for themselves and for their own accomplishments, a life of individuality, and they're raised up to a new life in a beautiful, concrete relationship with their creator. Restored and renewed and strengthened and drawn into a beautiful kind of intimacy with the God of the universe. Because the interesting thing is that God doesn't just want us to live a good life. What God longs for from you and from me is that we would live with him now and forever. The purpose of our salvation is that we could be adopted right into the family of God. That we could be welcomed in and live in the wonderful goodness of relationship that God has within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he invites us into this. And as with any child who's adopted, it changes our identity. Again, we live in a world that will tell us all the time that our identity comes from how good-looking we are, or how much money we have, or how strong we are, how smart we are, what kinds of things we can accomplish. We live in a world that tells us all the time we are the sum total of these kinds of things. But in Jesus, we get to hear something else. In Jesus, we get this transformed identity, this whole new name, this whole new space of who we are, that we are valuable and worthwhile simply because our Creator loves us. That we are valuable, that we have dignity, that we have strength, because we have been created in His image and fashioned for life and eternity with Him. We don't have anything to prove. We don't have to try and force our identity. We don't have to try and force other people around us to recognize our value and worth because the Father speaks the truth into our souls through his Holy Spirit that we are children who are loved passionately by him. And it shifts us and it grows us and it changes us. And he invites us on this beautiful lifelong journey of discipleship where we get to live every single day in the presence of God being conformed ever increasingly into his image, becoming who he always intended us to be, full of life and hope and peace and joy and strength and abundance and goodness. And in baptism, we picture this reality, that this isn't about the rules, this isn't about what we can accomplish, this isn't about getting it right, this is about oneness with Jesus, being united with him in death and resurrection so that we can live with him now and forever, as he always intended it to be. But he's not even done there. In baptism, we get so much more. Baptism is also this wonderful proclamation of the gospel. 
As someone stands up to get baptized, we usually get to hear a part of their story or the reason why they want to get baptized, and we always want to be intentional to create as much space for this as we possibly can, because it's just so good. We get to hear the wonder of what God has done in them. The unique ways that the presence of God has seen them in whatever their circumstances were, the ways that he has met them and freed them and strengthened them and drawn them into life. And it proclaims powerfully the truth of the gospel, that God loves us, sent his son for us to die for us, to redeem us so that we could be made whole and live life with him. And as someone stands up to get baptized, they are declaring to the world that is seen and the world that is unseen that God is real and that he is intimately connected to them. That God isn't far away, that God isn't distant, but he wants to know us and to walk with us. They proclaim these powerful truths through their own story and their own willingness to acknowledge Jesus is so real that I want to build my life around him. And we get to hear this and see it and feel it as we experience baptism. And everybody is changed. The person being baptized has this powerful moment to declare the wonder and the truth of who God is and to say before a group of people, I will live this way now and forever. Those of us who already know Jesus are reminded of our own baptism. We are challenged to continue to live into the truth that we have declared when we were baptized, that we would walk with Jesus, that we would follow him, that we would give ourselves holistically to him and build our lives around the wonder and truth of who he is. And anyone who happens to be there who doesn't yet know Jesus gets this opportunity to hear the reality of God and the powerful impact that he makes on every single life that he encounters. They get to hear the truth that God loves them and is pursuing them. And in baptism, we have this beautiful gift to proclaim the gospel. But it's also a powerful statement of belonging. Baptism is done publicly for a reason. And again, in our culture, it's more essential than maybe any other culture before because we live most of our lives believing that we are individual people, individual islands, and we can treat our relationship with God like this. We can think that our relationship with God is only about my relationship individually with Jesus. And certainly our individual relationship with Jesus is essential and it is vital. But Jesus is also saving his people, his church. And he invites us in baptism to recognize that we belong to Christ, but we also belong to one another. And as someone stands up and is getting baptized in the congregation, within this space, they're saying, I'm committing my life to Jesus. Would you help me? Would you strengthen me? Would you encourage me? Would you pray for me? Would you walk through life with me? Helping me to live out ongoingly this journey of discipleship. It gives us a different kind of connection with one another. Again, every time I see someone get baptized, I feel like I just love them so much more. I get a glimpse into their story and I'm so excited about what God is doing in them and I just can't wait to play whatever part God wants me to play in their life and in their journey. And the person being baptized is declaring, I belong to Jesus and I belong to this beautiful group that God is creating in the church. And one of my favorite things about getting to baptize people is that on Jesus' behalf and on your behalf, I get to say to whoever I'm baptizing, we accept you. You belong here. We are so overwhelmingly delighted that God is moving in your life and you get to be a part of this congregation. I love that on Jesus' behalf and on your behalf, I get to say to people, welcome here. You are a precious gift to us. 
And in baptism, we have this beautiful moment of belonging. And if baptism does all of these things, if it expresses the sense that we are washed clean and we are connected to Christ, if it expresses to us this powerful public declaration of the gospel, and is this movement of belonging, we recognize that it's so essential. And sometimes we can treat baptism as if it's an optional extra, something that we do way down the road in our relationship with Jesus, maybe for the very spiritual people, but Jesus would remind us this is for anyone and everyone who would follow him. Baptism is a critical and a vital step that every one of us is meant to walk through. He says it in passages like Matthew 28, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Again, I love that Jesus talks about this with anyone and everyone who comes to him. We should baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he doesn't say, you should teach them to obey everything I've commanded them. And when they've done that, you should baptize them. He says, you should baptize them and then you should teach them all of these things. Throughout the history of the church, we have recognized that baptism is meant to be a beginning step the step that marks a transformational reality in someone's life, that they have given their life to Jesus and long to follow him. It is a moment that glimpses the truth of the beginning of our salvation. It's not some kind of achievement to be engaged with later on. For example, the early church could not have imagined the possibility that someone could be a follower of Jesus and not be baptized. They couldn't imagine that that would even exist in reality or in the world anywhere. Because as we read the scriptures, we see that someone believes in Jesus and within minutes or hours or days, they are baptized, not weeks and not months. It's just this ongoing movement. I believe in Jesus. I want to express this publicly and in this beautiful reality of baptism. It's meant to be an initial step as we choose to engage with him. And over the years, one of the things that I've heard so often is many people have said to me, I don't feel like I'm worthy yet to get baptized. And my response will always be, that's kind of the point. None of us will ever get to the place where we would say, I feel worthy to get baptized. Again, the passage in uh, Titus reminds us, we don't get baptized because of the righteous things that we have done or because we have reached a certain standard. We get baptized because of the infinite grace and mercy of God. We get to get baptized and told that we belong and are connected with Jesus. We get to proclaim the gospel and experience this sense of being washed by the presence of Christ, not because we are amazing or have done amazing things, but because Jesus has already done it all. And he's inviting us to walk this out day by day with him. And so don't ever hold back from baptism because you don't feel like you've got it together. Again, over the years, I've had many people say to me, there's something that I need to talk through before I get baptized, and let's do it. Let's have great conversations. Let's process those things. Let's get them out in the air if we need to. Let's work through the hard spaces in our lives. But don't hold back because you feel unworthy. That's kind of the point. We embrace this as a really good gift of his grace, not because we've reached a certain standard or a certain level. And we also recognize that we will never have within ourselves the strength and the capacity to live out all that we are committing to. But what we are saying is that we are trusting the Holy Spirit of God to empower us and to equip us, to rebuild us from the inside out, to be the kind of people who will follow Jesus faithfully. 
We're saying that we're trusting in his strength and in his holiness and in his perseverance and in his capacity day by day and moment by moment to continue to transform us, be more and more the people that he's created us to be. It's a really good, it's a beautiful gift. And he invites us to walk with him well in every part of this. Baptism is not an option for those who are further down the road. It's meant to be for every single one of us early in our relationship with Jesus that we say, I am with you. I want to follow you always. And then to take that step. And the importance of baptism came home to me in a whole new way a few years ago. A number of years ago, in the church that we were in, there was a young woman who'd uh, given her life to Jesus and begun this relationship. And she wanted to get baptized, so we were talking through the conversation of what this was going to be about. And her boyfriend came to me one day and said, I'm really concerned about her taking this step. I recognize there's significant danger in this choice for her. Again, he'd grown up in a Christian home, he understood it, but he said to me, if she goes home to the country that she is from and her family finds out that she is baptized, they will kill her. Because from their perspective, it would be better for her to die than for her to go on living as someone outside of their religion. He said, I'm very afraid for her. So understandably, I was also significantly concerned I'd never had a conversation like this before. And so I connected with her again. We met together to talk about this. And I said, you know, here's the concerns. Your boyfriend has talked to me about this. How are you processing this? And she looked at me with a little bit of an annoyed expression on her face. And she said something like, he just needs to shut up. (laughs) And she looked at me and said, the Bible tells me that in moments like that, the Holy Spirit will give me everything that I need to say. And so I don't have to be afraid. She said, I am getting baptized. I'm getting baptized because I believe in Jesus and because he's asked me to do this. And if there's any chance I can get closer to Jesus through this, I am doing this. She talked to me about the reality of her life. She had lived all of her life serving a God who demanded so much of her, but was so impersonal. She talked about the truth that in Jesus, she had finally found a God who loves her, a God who would speak to her, a God who was pursuing her and who was meeting her, a God who was forgiving her and redeeming her. She talked about the wonder of this truth that Jesus is so good that none of the rest of it matters. And so he needed to shut up because she was going to get baptized. And I remember being so stunned And just sitting there in this conversation with this amazing young woman, to see her faith and her courage, her strength, the power of the presence of Jesus in her, that she would recognize, in Jesus I have someone who has done everything for me, and so this is nothing to give him my life in an expression of baptism. You know, so often I feel like we get hung up on the fear and the intensity. So often we fail to follow Jesus and everything he's asking us because it's going to cost us something. I remember sitting in awe of the faith of this young woman and just being so intensely challenged because I want to be more like her. I want to know Jesus that way. I want to be so overcome with delight at the wonder of his presence that nothing would hold me back. And again, I wonder for so many of us, today if you're here or if you're watching online and you've never been baptized, what is it that's holding you back? Again, is it a sense of fear? Is it the intensity of getting up here? Is it what other people might say or think? 
Is it that somewhere down the line, someone told you you weren't good enough to get baptized, or you needed to reach a certain level before you should even think about it, and you gave up hope? Again, what are the reasons that we hold back in baptism? The scriptures are really clear for us that once we believe in Jesus and have committed our life to him and walking with him always and understand what we're doing in baptism, that's the moment to get baptized. We shouldn't unduly delay these kinds of things. It's an invitation of Jesus to know him and to walk with him more. It's this beautiful expression that we get to tell of the wonders of what we have seen and known and experienced in salvation. And so if you're not baptized, I want to really encourage you to take some time to prayerfully consider and think through, is this the next step that Jesus is asking you to take as you walk this out with him? Next week in the second service, during this service, we're going to have a baptism class that's going to take place likely in the boardroom. And we just want to invite you and encourage you to attend that class so that you know even more about it and be able to engage with it more freely. And then two weeks from today, we're going to have a baptismal service. It's going to be amazing and fantastic. We already have eight people and secretly inside, maybe not so secretly, I'm really hoping we'll have so many people, we kind of need to cancel a whole bunch of the things we're planning and we can just have an amazing time to just celebrate and enjoy and experience the time together. And so if you haven't yet been baptized, again, really, really want to encourage you to think that through and to to continue to process that out. Again, if you have been baptized already, how is it going with walking out your commitment? Again, when we baptize someone, we ask them three questions. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord? Do you renounce and reject all evil? And will you follow Jesus always in this journey of discipleship every day of your life? And so how's that going? Are you still firmly and holistically convinced that Jesus is your savior? Or have you started to give in to the belief that you are saved by your own actions, by doing all kinds of right and important things? Is Jesus still your Lord? Or have you started to pull back control from him, wanting to rule and reign over your own life and your own experience? Do you still holistically want to walk with him to continue to renounce and reject and to move away from all evil? Or are there parts of evil that you've started to take and to pick up again, that you've started to play with and to make okay in your heart or mind or your experience? And are you still passionately committed to walking with Jesus every single day, getting to know him more, allowing him to shape and to form and conform your life to the wonder and the beauty of who he has created you to be. Again, today, if you have been baptized and you recognize that you're wrestling to live these things out, what it means for us is that we simply need to just realign our lives with the truth of what we have declared. We just say, Jesus, would you forgive me for the ways that I am inconsistent in living out my baptismal commitment? Would you help me to realign my life with you and with the wonderful gift that you've given to me. And maybe for some of us, maybe a long time ago you were baptized and you were living passionately for Jesus at one point in your life, but maybe you abandoned your faith. Maybe you walked away from your faith and chose to live life in a different way and you're now coming back to your relationship with Jesus. If you're in that space, we wouldn't baptize you again because you've been baptized, but there is sometimes value in during a baptismal service environment in coming back up And expressing once again, this is a part of my story. And once again saying, I want to recommit to my baptismal vows. I want to recommit to believing in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I want to recommit to abandoning and rejecting all of the evil. I want to recommit publicly to walking with Jesus always in this relationship. And for some of us, this might be a valuable experience to engage with together. 
Again, baptism is this beautiful outward action of the wondrous work that Jesus has done within us. It is a ceremonial sort of expression of the goodness that we have moved from darkness to light, that we've given our lives to Jesus. And again today, if you've not been baptized, I really want to encourage you to prayerfully consider engaging with us in that in the next couple of weeks. And if you have, we want to take some time to continue to ask Jesus, how do we realign our lives with the truth of who he declares us to be? Again, if you're looking for a way to connect with our baptism class, you can do that in a thousand ways. You could do that in the Church Center app. You could do it by going to the Info Center, following the service. You could email us. You could call us. You could talk to us. All kinds of ways. Uh, Again, we just want to encourage you to engage with that in whatever way is most meaningful for you. But it's really fitting for us today as we consider these things that we get to experience communion together. In baptism and communion, we have two things that Jesus called us to do to continue to express our relationship with him. In baptism, we have this one-time experience where we declare publicly that we are surrendering our life to him, that he has saved us and washed us and redeemed us. And in communion, we have this ongoing space where we can express once again that we need Jesus. We have chosen to give all of our life to Jesus. We want to walk with him faithfully in this journey of discipleship, and we get to experience these elements to taste and see the goodness of who he is and to express our commitment to him. And the scriptures challenge us as we prepare for communion to take some time to realign our hearts with him. And again, for some of us this morning, this might be to make the choice to choose to get baptized. Maybe you want to send us an email right now in the next couple of minutes to say, I'm committing to this. I want to sign up for this. Get back to me to let me know how this process works. For some of us, we recognize there's a part of our life that is out of alignment with the commitments that we made in baptism. And we want to surrender that area to Jesus and ask him to continue to form and to shape that part of us. For some of us today, this is about a recognition that we have made our Christian faith more about what we can do than about what Jesus has already done for us. And maybe it's time to come back to that truth to receive our salvation as a gracious gift of God and our choice to actively live this out in response to the love and acceptance we experience in him and not to try to earn it. So whatever it might be, let's just take a few moments to prepare our hearts so that we're free and open and ready to engage with Jesus through communion. The scriptures remind us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In communion, we have this really good gift to come to Jesus wherever we are and whatever our experience looks like. 
We come to Jesus in communion when we are joyful and full of delight and celebration at the wonder of who he is and the things that he's doing in us. We come to communion when we are tired and when we are weary. We come to communion when we're just holding on and just trying to do our best to follow Jesus in the midst of temptation and hardship and pain and suffering within our world. And all of these things, we get to come to Jesus. Jesus says to us, come, take, and eat. This is my body given for you. He reminds us that he's already done everything necessary so we could have life and intimacy and relationship with him. Jesus says to us, come and drink. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this so that you will always remember you have relationship with God through my sacrifice, not through your own achievement and effort. He invites us to come to him wherever we may be and whatever may be going on in our life or in our experience. And so a few minutes from now, what I'm going to invite you to do is to get up from where you are, to come towards the right-hand side, come down the aisle that's off your right. Uh, you can take the elements here. You can partake of them up here or take them back to your seat if you want some space to kind of think and reflect and ponder as you go back up the other aisle so you don't run anybody over. Again, I'd like to invite up now uh, those elders and those serving communion as well. And if you're here this morning and for some reason getting to the front is going to be challenging, maybe for mobility reasons or you've got some kids with you or you just feel like you need some moments to just sit and to be still, feel free to stay where you are and just raise your hand. There's a few roaming elders and they'll come to you uh, wherever you are so that you're able to engage with communion. If you're joining us online, I want to encourage you just to grab some juice and some bread wherever you might be so you can uh, engage and participate in these moments with us as one body spread out in so many different locations and different spaces. If you're here and you're concerned about the bread, the, all of the bread is gluten-free, so that we're able to uh, freely participate together and no one will feel excluded uh, from this experience as well. Again, this is a really good gift of grace and mercy that God pours out over us. He invites us to come to him, to remember the delight, the goodness of the salvation that he's poured over us. And so as you feel ready and prepared, I'd like to encourage you to come forward to receive the elements.